Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. I'm reading out of the New King James Bible. And it says this, And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him, meaning Jesus, from every city, and he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on a rock. We talked about that last week. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it, meaning the cares of this world, choked it. But others fell on good ground. Look at somebody this morning and say, I'm good ground. Look at somebody else, look them square in the eye and say, you may not know it, but I'm good ground. Do you believe that this morning? But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and it yielded. I want everybody to say this word yielded with conviction. Yielded. I want you to remember this word because I'm going to expound on it a little bit. And it yielded a crop 100-fold. And when he, Jesus, said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at somebody on your way down and say, listen up this morning. You may have your seats. Today, it may not appear that I'm trembling, but I am abnormally nervous about preaching what I'm about to preach. Most messages that you hear from me, I've, I've probably only duplicated a message or re-preached it maybe three times. This, is, this particular message doesn't make me nervous because I've never preached it, but um, I don't know if I fully learned it yet. I don't know if I fully understand it yet, but God has me in a season where I am learning and am in a learning curve in a specific place in my relationship with him. I mentioned last week that even the Apostle Paul, who was previously a Pharisee, he even admitted it. He's like, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, I press towards the mark. I'm reaching towards the goal, right? So we're not, none of us are really there yet. I'm learning about the Godhead. Everybody say the Godhead. Godhead. And they're different functions because they all have different functions. Does everybody know what I mean by when I say the Godhead, meaning the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit? We have a triune God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're three, yet they're one. They're one, yet they're three. And so I'm in this learning curve in my relationship with the Lord. Um, so as I struggle through it, I want you to have patience with me. But I believe God's going to do something incredible for us this morning as I teach this word. I, I sense the presence of the Lord in this room I sense the Holy Spirit. 
And what, what I found out about many churches, and there's nothing wrong with just preaching Jesus. Look at somebody and say, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is the son. He's the only way. There's one way. That's through Jesus. We understand that. But I'm seeing more and more religions and churches pop up that say the name of Jesus, but there is no Holy Spirit. There is no Holy Spirit. And God didn't die for us to have a religion. He died for us to have relationship with him. When I think about God the Father, I think about one who set everything in motion. He's the one who set it all up. He put it all into motion. He sent his son into the earth to accomplish that which the Father willed to happen. He is the one who went to the cross and finished the work so that we could enter into a relationship with God under his blood. Amen? But then the Holy Spirit, when Jesus died, he gave up the ghost and he said, it is finished. He told the disciples right before he went to Calvary, he said, hey, I want you to do me a favor. Go into an upper room and I want you to tarry there. I want you to wait there because I'm going to send a promise. They wanted Jesus to stay. He said, stay there with him. But he said, listen, I have to go because if I do not go, I can't send the helper to you. I cannot send the promise to you. Assuming that the disciples couldn't understand that. What was the promise? The promise was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is still on the earth today. I got news for some of you this morning that Jesus is not on the earth, but the Holy Spirit is. It's not that Jesus doesn't appear to people. It's, it's not anything like that. People have encounters with the Lord. I understand that. But the Holy Spirit is the one who is still here, who's alive and active, carrying out the will of God in the earth through people like me and you on a daily basis, expanding the kingdom of God. And I want to suggest to, you, to you, suggest to you today that you can't even have a rich, vibrant relationship without the Holy Spirit in your heart. Without the Holy Spirit living in and through you, you cannot live a holy life. The Bible says that no flesh will glory in the presence of God. So we need the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with God. Does everybody understand that? And so if the, the, the Holy Spirit is here to establish the kingdom in our lives, I have a question for you this morning. Why does our lives not look more like the kingdom than they currently do right now? If the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in our mortal bodies, reigns in our hearts, why are there areas of our lives where we are still not free? Look at somebody and say, are you free? Your Bible says, and I believe my Bible says the same thing, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I believe it's not something that God's not doing. I believe it's something that we're not tapping into. And I believe that God is wanting us to tap into that this morning. How many want freedom in every area of their life? How many want true freedom? A lot of people say to me, you know, I'm just living my life and I'm just free. Is freedom really, is addiction really freedom? Is lust really freedom? Is being bound emotionally to how many likes you get on when you put your duck face on Facebook, is that real freedom? Is imagery freedom? Is, is, is 
excessive eating or poor habits is nicotine addiction, real freedom. Real freedom is the man or woman, the boy or girl who has the Holy Spirit living on their hearts, who certainly are free indeed, like the Bible says. They're not bound to anything except for their lovesick relationship with Jesus Christ by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Is everybody following me? And so I want you to see this. It won't be up on the screen. It's in Luke chapter 3, verse 22 in the New King, James, New King James Version. It says this, and I'm going somewhere. Just be patient with me. I need to lay some groundwork. And it says this, and the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Holy Spirit, descended in bodily form like a dove on him, meaning Jesus. So in bodily form, when Jesus was getting baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, which was God the Father. Everybody say God the Father. And he says this, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Jesus' ministry didn't take off until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His life and ministry was not effective yet until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. And your life will not be effective until you are filled and endowed with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Judea, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The reason we don't have power to witness to people and we're afraid, it's not because we don't have Jesus in our heart. We need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at somebody and say, get filled. Look at somebody else and say, get filled. In Luke chapter 24, as I digress a little bit, Luke chapter 24, verse 49 says this, Behold, I send the promise. Who was the promise? Come on, talk to me. Who was the promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high. The power he's talking about is the infilling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit that just comes upon you and you pray in a heavenly language, although that is the Holy Spirit. But that same Holy Spirit is there to fill you and anoint you to balance a checkbook. To not talk about your boss. To be willing and obedient to your parents. To not gossip. Somebody say power. The Holy Spirit is there to give you power to live a holy life. The Holy Spirit can keep you from sleeping with people outside of marriage. Come on. The secret to my freedom the past 18 years, and I don't boast in it because it's not my power, it's by the Holy Spirit. The secret to my personal freedom is no secret at all. It's called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The secret to my business, the secret, secret to my own personal success that I experience is not Donnie Smith, it's the Holy Spirit. And we have to yield to the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to allow the Lord Jesus Christ's life to be lived in us and through us if we're going to be effective. And the way that he does that is by the Holy Spirit. And this was the secret to Jesus' miracles. It was no secret. He had a partnership with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, he said, I don't do anything unless I see my father do it first. 
The secret to healing the blind was the power of the Holy Spirit. The secret to Jesus making the right decisions and being wise was the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is accessible today for you and for me. It is the character of God the Father. It is the essence who Jesus is. It's Jesus at work on the earth today. So why aren't we seeing the kingdom established? You know what I fully believe? It's because, not because the Holy Spirit is not here, because he is here. I believe it's because we have not yielded properly to the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. For those of you who are 50 plus, this message is called Yield. Look at somebody and say yield. For those of you who are 30 and under, I'm going to call this message, wait a minute. And for those of you who are millennials and maybe 20 and under, this message is called, slow your roll. Somebody say amen. amen. I had to cover all grounds. The Lord has been ministering to my heart lately, and I pray that this message cuts you so deep that you walk out of here with a newfound respect and love and devotion to and for the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of running around the church and clapping my hands and singing songs and walking out unchanged and untransformed. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. And we need to acknowledge him. Anytime you see the Holy Spirit mentioned in the Bible, it's capitalized, meaning he is a person. He has feelings. Some of you are looking at me cross-eyed this morning. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the person of Jesus who dwells in our hearts by the Spirit of God. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? And one of the things I have found out that one of the reasons why he's not moving among us like he did in the old church and the book of Acts and even now, even in our own church, I, I believe that he is grieved. Everybody say grieved. And we have to learn, if he's going to move in our hearts, in our lives, in our personal lives, we have to learn not to grieve the Holy Spirit. I looked up that word grieve this morning, and it means to, to feel a deep sadness, to agonize, to anguish, to bleed, to hurt, to mourn, to sorrow, to suffer. When we don't obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and it's not like God comes out of the cloud and says, you're grieving me. It's not that, but it's the little promptings in our own heart. Don't talk about that person, you know. Don't, don't, don't take that job or, or you shouldn't engage in that relationship. When we ignore the Holy Spirit, when we ignore the promptings that are in accordance, it's always in accordance with the Word of God. It always should line up with the Word of God. When we engage in certain things, when we do certain things that are outside of the will of God for our lives, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Everybody say grieved. grieved. He grieves. God has a perfect will for our lives. Somebody say perfect. perfect. He has a perfect will. He has something uh, handcrafted for you and I. But when we don't yield to his spirit, he grieves because he can't carry out that will without your personal cooperation with him. He grieves when we don't walk in his perfect will. He hurts. Have you ever had a friend or a family member that needed your help? And you knew that you could 
bring solution to that person's life. It could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a friend, family member, it could be one of your children. And you knew that they could benefit from your help. But out of stubbornness or maybe pride, they resisted your, your help. And then you see the outcome that you thought was negative come to pass for their lives. If you really truly love that person, well, some of you would probably be like, you deserve it. But others of you who have that big loving heart, you grieve for that person. If you have a teenager who has dated somebody that you didn't approve of, you understand what I'm saying because you knew that heartache was coming around the corner. That job that you told your friend, hey, you shouldn't take this job or hey, you shouldn't move here and you see their decision backlash and they hurt, you grieve for that person. The Holy Spirit is the same way. He grieves when we walk outside of his will for our personal lives, not because he's angry with us, but because he's hurt that we're missing out on all the goodness, all the great things that he has for us. Because he don't want what's good for your life or what's acceptable. He wants what's best for you and I. And the Holy Spirit grieves likewise. And this is why it's so important that we allow this third person that I'm talking about to work in our lives to set us free from ungodly habits. Come on, somebody should say amen this morning. Okay, I'll just call it what it is. To set us free from sin. Because when we sin, he doesn't get angry, he grieves. Because the Holy Spirit is a relational spirit. He's relational. Somebody say relational. And when we sin against God, what it does is it puts a breach between us and him. And he grieves because he wants relationship. Amen? It's the same thing when a woman is not dating for a long period of time. She gets lonely. She feels a stranger for a man. They feel like they want that relationship. They're missing something because we were born and we were wired by God to have relationship. You know, the Holy Spirit is here and wants a relationship with us. So when we sin against God, we breach that relationship and it grieves him. Because he is a spirit, and he needs a house to dwell in. He needs your fellowship. He needs your cooperation. He dwells in our hearts. And when we sin against God, we create this gulf between us and him. And there is a better life than a life of just going through repetitive sins, repetitive habits, Up and down. Come on, how many want to get out of that cycle of the up and down life of repeated habitual sins or cycles that we found ourselves in? The only way that can be broken is through the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the human heart. Somebody say there's a better life. And there's two reasons why I believe the Holy Spirit grieves. It's because, number one, he knows there's a better way. Somebody say there is a better way. And that better way is to living a yielded life to him, a yielded life to the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Somebody say yield. yield. And number two, he doesn't want us to fall into the, the, the law of sowing and reaping. Some people call it karma. The Bible calls it reaping and sowing. Galatians 6, 8, New King James Version says this, watch this. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. I don't know if it'll be up on the screen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to reap corruption in my life. If I, if I sow, I want to be sowing something that's good, something that's healthy, something that I reap benefits, reap fruits so that I can bring glory to God, so that I can be a blessing to my family, a blessing to my community. Listen to what the message version says. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. 
Are you questioning what you're harvesting in life? That's not the big question. We have to stop asking, why am I reaping this? The big question is, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? Look at somebody with conviction and say, what are you sowing? The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. That's what the Bible says. And all he'll have to show for his life is the weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, meaning yielding to the Spirit of God, letting God's Spirit to do the growth and work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Somebody say eternal life. life. This week, I remember a specific moment I grieved the Holy Spirit. As you climb the mountain, he expects more of you. I remember very clearly walking into my room, my Bible in one hand and my phone in the other. And I felt those familiar promptings from the Holy Spirit. I knew he wanted to share something with me. Can the pastor be honest this morning or should I, should I glaze over it? So my Bible in one hand, my phone in the other, I felt the old famous words speak into my heart. I, want you, I don't want you to get on your phone because in my mind I'm like, I'm gonna jump on Facebook for a minute or two, kind of you know, see what's happening, all, this, all the politics, all of that. And I could, I, I could sense the presence of the Lord in my heart but I go in the room and I say, Lord, you know, just give me a couple minutes and I'll, and I'll get into the word. I spend the next 15 to 20 minutes and the anointing that I had felt had completely lifted. And then so I crack, crack open my Bible and I read just for a couple minutes. I don't feel anything. My eyes close and I go to sleep. I woke up and I didn't feel, I didn't feel condemned, but I felt like I had grieved him. See, we don't talk about that. We talk about the major sins. If you sleep with someone outside of marriage or you, you have an addiction or some type of perversion or something like that. Do you know the Holy Spirit? He grieves when we disobey him in the slightest ways. He grieves. And I felt like I'd hurt the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And you know what it really was? I felt this is what the Lord imprinted in my heart. I felt he, the Holy Spirit said this to me. There was something I wanted to download in you something I wanted to share with you for the people, but you missed it. You know, he grieves because it's not that, hey, I'm mad at you because you're being a disobedient servant, but when we grieve and don't yield to the Holy Spirit, we miss out what he has for us. Look at somebody and say, don't miss it. We have to learn to begin to yield to the Holy Spirit and not grieve him. Number two, I'm going somewhere. I'm just going to cut a little deep this morning, okay? Is that all right? Number two, we have to be careful. If the Holy Spirit is going to begin to move in our lives, move in these services, move in our families, we have to be careful not to insult him. Look at somebody and say, don't insult him. How do we insult him? I think we as ministers have done the best at this. To think and act in a way as if you can accomplish your ministry or your own personal life or your own agenda apart from the leading of the Holy Spirit is to insult him. You guys don't know what I mean by that, do you? We call church work good work. 
many of us ministers, we, we think of, oh, these are good things that we can add to the church. We can add an outreach program. We can add Bible studies. We can add a women's group. We can add a men's group. We can add all these different things without petitioning, Lord, what do you want for this specific community? What do you want for this specific church? What do you want for your people? Far too long have we made our own plans apart from the Holy Spirit leading us. And we wonder why we walk out of our church buildings unchanged and untransformed and untouched with no presence because the Holy Spirit has been insulted. It's amazing what our Western church has accomplished without the Holy Spirit. We have re-engineered things with programs and policies, but yet the human heart leaves unmoved, unchanged, untransformed, no power. We wonder why the sick aren't getting out of wheelchairs. We wonder why cancer is not leaving the atmosphere. It's because we have no authority. We've insulted the Holy Spirit, the very one who built the early church, the very one who established the early church through signs and wonders and creative miracles. I don't know about you, but I'm done with average. I am ready for God to move in our hearts and in our lives supernaturally with power, with signs and wonders, with prophecy. When people step on the property, there's an extraordinary presence in the room. How many are ready for that? And we do the same thing. Lord, you can have two hours of my Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday, I've got this. I have no relationship. Try having that kind of relationship with your husband. Try having intimacy when you only want something. Isn't that what we do on Sunday mornings? Especially my church people. We come only when we're in real need. We come when we only want something. But he wants it Monday through Saturday, and especially on Sunday morning in the corporate gathering. And we expect him to show up. That's why I'm always coming up and exhorting during worship because we need to engage him more and more as we praise him, as we love on him. He shows up and he does miracles. He does extraordinary things in our hearts. Recently, I'm learning so many different things about my daughter, Zoe. She's two years old. She's not in here. You would know if she was because she would be hanging on my leg right now. I love her. She's princess and she really does have me wrapped. Y'all need to pray for me. She has me wrapped around her little finger. I need deliverance from Zoe syndrome. <laughs> Truly. If you see her, you'll know what I mean. She's been teaching me really often about, and there's these little moments when she behaves in a certain way. I say, God, don't I do that to you? Don't we as people do that to you all the time? More and more, each time I open the door to put her in her car seat, she pushes my hand away. No, Daddy, I've got it. And for the next three to five minutes, and it's like screeching chalkboard as i am got a ton of things to do. She won't let me put her in the car seat, but she's got this. And she puts herself in the car seat. And then it's another five minutes trying to strap, you know, and, and buckle herself in and all these different things. It's the same thing with, you know, her toys. No, Daddy, let me show you how to put this together. And she doesn't know how to read directions yet. She's constantly pushing my hand away. Even feeding the dog. It's, it boils down to all those little, you know, special little things. Daddy, I want to feed the dog. And this big 
five pound glass thing she's carrying. I'm worried about her dropping it on herself. And, and, the, and the thing is, is that she has access to someone who can make her life a whole lot easier and make things a little bit more efficient, but she refuses. And that's how we are with the Holy Spirit. We have someone, he's called the helper. Jesus said, I will send the helper to you. He is your assister here on earth. He assists you in your life here on earth. And guess what it's supposed to look like in your life? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on where? On earth, in your life, in your family, on your job, as it is in heaven. But all too often we insult the Holy Spirit by pushing him away. All too often, especially gifted people, we, 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 we put our gifts on display and the Holy Spirit's not breathing on it. And we wonder why he's not moving in amazing ways in our lives. Hallelujah. I wasn't going to mention this, but I grew up. Um, first car I learned to drive, it was called a Reliant. How many remember the Reliant. I can't even remember what the, it wasn't a color. It wasn't even a color. It was so faded. It was orange. It was maroon. It was tan. It was, you know, where the clear coat was wearing off. And it was one of those cars my mom owned, forgive me mom for this, um, that you had to start 20 minutes before you actually drove it and let it warm up for about 20 minutes. But it was the first car I drove. What, what stood out to me most about this car is that the steering, I mean, you could hear the steering when you would turn and it would be like turning a wheel on a fire hydrant. How many know those metal fire hydrant wheels? I mean, it almost had no kind of power steering, but I learned to drive in this car. It was that kind of car that you would sit down, don't wear white shorts or white pants, God forbid, or a white t-shirt or a tank top because once you got up, it had all those little ring stains on it. I mean, it was an old car and it was super raggedy, but I got a revelation this morning. As I was up about 4 or 5 a.m., I perched, finally purchased my new car, and I was dumbfounded that, you know, you can actually turn the steering wheel with your pinky. I went from not being non-power steering assisted to assisted. And so I got a revelation is that the Holy Spirit is like this. When we try to drive our own lives, listen, the only reason, I, can, I feel you, Holy Spirit, the only reason why our lives seem so difficult is because we are not allowing ourselves to be power-assisted. We are not yielding to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not some spookster. He's not here to make things weird. The Holy Spirit is not just a person falling on the ground and shaking. It's not a person who is just weird speaking in tongues. He is there to assist you. In your work, in your family, as a husband, as a dad, as a father, we are power assisted. And the reason why we are rendered ineffective many times in our lives is because we are not yielding to him. So we are only as effective as we, as we are, excuse me, to the degree that we yield to him. Look at somebody and say, yield to him. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Number three, I have found out that the Lord will not move in our hearts, in our lives, if we quench him. Somebody say quench. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can insult him, and we can quench him. 
If you can catch the fire, you can quench it. We can quench the Holy Spirit. Reinhard Bunke, who was one of my most favorite evangelists of all time, he passed not many months ago, and he tells this story about a meeting he was in. And in this meeting, he said the fire of God was falling. I mean, people were being stirred. People were screaming. People were yelling, shouting, crying, jumping up and down. You could tell that God was moving in people's hearts in an extraordinary way. But he said there was one group of Christians that were unmoved, and there was about five of them. And you could easily pick them out in the crowds. They were the only people who were not moving. You know those kind of meetings? I guess after going for, to church for a long time, you no longer call them church services. You call them meetings. So in this particular meeting, these five group of gentlemen were not moving. They were unmoved. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And he said, those are what I like to call asbestos Christians. If you don't know what asbestos means, it's the old stuff that they used to put in your house that would keep the house from catching on fire. They were quenching the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to be flammable, not fireproof. I want to be able to get caught on fire. I want my heart to be so open, so yielded to the Holy Spirit. I want my ears to be so open that I hear his instruction, that I know his leading. I know what job to take and what not job not to take. I can't tell you how many business deals I have made when I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, don't work with that person. Don't take that contract. And for weeks after, I was paying the price. And we do that in the little subtle ways. Don't engage in that friendship. Don't, don't take the job. Don't write that contract. Don't go here. You know you shouldn't go out late. Come on. The little subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't take that drink. Don't take that puff. Don't go to this party. Come on. Obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You should spend more time with your kids and you shouldn't go here. Come on. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in very practical ways. But how we allow to the degree that we obey him will be to the degree that we experience him. So we can either quench him or we can allow, we, our obedience will bring his voice. It, it will increase our ability to be able to hear, hear his voice. It will increase the anointing upon our lives. I want to share this with you. This just came to me. Remember when Jesus was in the garden and he's about to die and they come, they come to arrest him. And the Bible says that they came and said, who is Jesus of Nazareth? And the Bible says he was standing there and he said, I am he. And when he said those words, it says all that whole group of soldiers fell down under the power of God because his obedience, his decision to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in his own life, his words finally carried weight and power. Do not expect the power of God in your life if you do not have an obedient heart. Obedience, a yielded heart, a yielded life brings the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit for you and for me. Come on, I wish somebody would get excited about that. Do you know obeying the Holy Spirit used to be very difficult for me? Obeying God, not going to parties, not doing certain things, not going certain places used to be like grinding. It was like tough. How do you stop doing this? How do you stop going to those places? Can I tell you there's a place in God where it's no longer difficult? Where you see sin, where you see 
going to the wrong places and engaging in the wrong relationships, you see it as sapping you, not, and you, you see it as draining you of, of everything that's good in your life. It won't be so difficult to stop, but you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit so that his desires can become your desires. Some of us need to get the Holy Spirit so enriched and engulfed in our hearts that our taste buds change because there's some things that we want that we should not want. Jesus said he wants our desires to be like his desires. We should be wanting what he wants for us because why? Because that's what brings the blessing about in our lives. That's what brings the anointing. That's what brings the power. You know what I oftentimes wonder? If the Holy Spirit can't wait for us to get done with our sermons so he can do what he wants to do. I wonder, I oftentimes wonder, I feel oftentimes the nudging of the Spirit. Stop, why don't you? Let me do what I want to do. My favorite time in the service is where people stand up at the end and then God begins to move. He waits for us to get out of the way to allow him to move in and through our lives. Is anybody getting what I'm saying this morning? Lastly, as you stand to your feet, You know why I like taking the time to see if someone has a word on Sunday mornings or I give opportunities. I know it's abnormal. It is scary at times. But, I, but, but early on, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to start this ministry in this church. But, I, but I, I heard the Lord as clear as day. He said, but if you turn this into what every other church looks like, you will grieve me. You will quench my fire. And the reason why I believe the fire is beginning to spread in this church little by little is because we're not quenching him with a one-man show. Amen? Fourthly, it is absolutely critical that we yield to the Holy Spirit. I think this is why I was so nervous. If I can be honest, it's easier to give a sermon, you know, three or four points and go through the motions and invite people to give their hearts to Christ and shut things down. But I, I believe I'm in a season where I'm learning to yield in the middle of doing things. In other words, I, I'm having to do two things at one time. There's, there's, this, there's this knowing in my heart that people need to hear an encouraging word and that's the minister and that's the shepherd part of my heart. But then there's this other part of me that is trying to remain sensitive to when the Holy Spirit is wanting to do something. Meaning I am open for him to speak right in the middle of these services. If he has a word for somebody, if he has an encouragement for somebody, if he wants to heal somebody, we have to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. Somebody say yield. yield. If we are going to get God's will done in our life, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit. It's like I felt this word, I am not your sidekick. You are mine. He's not our sidekick. He's not just here to make our lives better. We are here to live obediently to the promptings of the Lord Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Somebody say through his Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Trinity. 
He's not our third cousin. He's the essence of who God is. I think about the 500 who went to the upper room. Jesus told the disciples, go into the upper room. I want you to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. In, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, I just want you to begin to yield your heart. I see some of you already doing that right now. I just, I feel like the Lord's going to do something. Just open your heart right now. There was 500 people who went to the upper room and there was going to be a spiritual outpouring. The Holy Spirit was going to get released. But listen to this. 380 of them left. They didn't wait. They didn't yield. They didn't yield to the Holy Spirit. So only 120 received the promise. We have to learn to yield. past week and I said this we're done being fed nuggets of inspiration we need a visitation we're done feeding on little nuggets of inspiration on Sunday morning we need a visitation I wonder how hungry you are for the Lord this morning hungry for a touch Lord we are hungry and Lord right now before we move any further I want you to lift your hands saints with me I want you to think about this for a moment. One of the reasons, could it be that because of what you're going through, regarding what you're going through, could it be that you have resisted the Holy Spirit in your life? Could it be that you've been resisting God? Could it be that the reason you're going through these same patterns in life is because you have resisted the Holy Spirit and you haven't yielded? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.